Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This is a disturbing story. So I want you to think about that as you listen. You're going to hear some things that are very disturbing. Extremely so. And it's about Russia's war crimes against Ukraine and its people. On September 23rd, a UN-mandated investigation found that war crimes, including rape, torture, murder, and confinement of children had been committed in Russian-occupied areas of Ukraine. As well, uh, of course, the massive missile attacks on Ukraine's energy infrastructure, cutting power to millions of Ukraine citizens and their homes. As the bitter cold arrives, the question is, does that qualify as war crimes? There has been a tremendous amount of this going on. Dmitry Koval is an international law expert. He's a member of Truth Hounds, a Ukraine war crimes investigative group. And Mr. Koval joins us from Ukraine. Dmitry, thank you for coming back on the program. You and I spoke maybe four or five months ago. Um, let's talk about Truth Hounds. I understand that you're, you're a team of experienced human rights professionals working on documenting war crimes and crimes against humanity in the war context. And not just since February of this year, which is massive, but also since 2014, the then invasion of Ukraine by the Russians. And some of your investigations go back to 2008 and the Russia-Georgia war then. Is there a pattern of Russian human rights abuses and war crimes being carried out? Uh, first of all, thank you for inviting. And uh, yes, indeed, uh, I work with Truth Hounds, uh, which is uh, the Ukrainian NGO, but uh, which works not only in Ukraine, but also in the, um, uh, some other countries of the region, like Azerbaijan, Armenia, Kazakhstan, Georgia as well. Um, speaking about uh, some patterns in the violations of human rights and uh, uh, breaching of uh, IHL, indeed we can see some um, common, um, let's say, violations or uh, groups of violations uh, that are being committed in the conflict in which Russia is involved. Um, but uh, I would want to speak not only about Georgia and Ukraine comparison here, but also about uh, Chechnya, uh, Syria. Uh, and other contexts in which uh, Russian troops fought. Uh, so in all these conflicts, we see that indiscriminate challenge is one of the methods of warfare. Also, terrorizing of civilian population was quite common, both in uh, Chechnya conflict, uh, in uh, Syria conflict, and now in Ukraine. Uh, similarly, uh, we see that unlawful confinement uh, was being made uh, one of Russian methods of uh, uh, armed conflict of uh, warfare as well. And it was practiced widely uh, in uh, several contexts, not only in Ukrainian one. So indeed, uh, there are patterns. Indeed, there are similarities between the violations of both human rights law and international humanitarian law. And uh, one of the uh, ways to actually broke this vicious cycle is to um, find appropriate accountability mechanisms that would be able uh, to um, restore justice and to bring some peace for the victims and for those who suffer from their violations. Yeah, I want to talk to you about that in a moment. Now, the, the Russians, the military, 
they do this with impunity, do they not? They're not concerned, as far as I can get, I understand. They're not concerned about repercussions from even their own military. They just go ahead and they commit these atrocities. And I don't want to just you know, make it sound like it's routine, but it seems like it's almost routine for them based on where they've been and the damages they've left behind. They're not concerned about repercussions from their own military command, are they? Uh, it looks like they are not. And uh, even more so, we see that uh, some of the uh, soldiers, some of the combatants that uh, were uh, occupying Bucha and other uh, small cities around Kyiv, they received medals of honor or something similar to that uh, from uh, Russian commanders uh, for their service. So not only they were not... Um, uh, somehow uh, held accountable, but uh, they were even awarded uh, with uh, medals uh, for the actions. What did you see in Bucha? Um, we saw a number of crimes committed uh, in Bucha, most commonly murder, um, also unlawful confinement, uh, torture, uh, rape, uh, and other crimes uh, of sexual nature. Um, so those were the, the most typical, probably. And this was against the civilian population, which really, other than the eventual presence by the Ukrainian military, initially had no way to protect themselves. Absolutely. Most of the victims are civilians who took no part in the conflict and in no way uh, aided or abetted uh, Ukrainian armed forces. So they were just civilian, happened to be there. Yeah. I have to ask you this. How do you how do you manage your emotions? How do you control your emotions if it's possible given what you see and what you experience? That's a very good question. I mean, uh, every personality in our team uh, deals uh, with uh, the emotions in its own uh, his or her own way. Uh, so there are either um, some kind of um, pauses between the sessions, pauses between the field missions, uh, during which you have to recover emotionally and psychologically, uh, or you can have the help of a um, qualified professional who can uh, really go with you through the uh, interviews and events and uh, crime scenes that you witnessed. Um, so that's another way of coping um, there are also some other strategies, uh, one of which can be uh, that you try to uh, may, maybe after having a field mission go uh, somewhere to the conference or whatever to just decompress and have a space for yourself to deal with uh, all those uh, emotions that you uh, experience that you received from the uh, interviewing the victim or witness. Yeah. So, yeah, def different uh, coping strategies. Yeah. I want to just remind our listeners. So September 23, a UN-mandated investigation found that war crimes have been committed by the Russians, again, including rape, torture, murder, confinement of children, and sexual violence to individuals between four years of age and 82 years of age in Russian-occupied areas of Ukraine. Dmitro Koval, international law expert, truth hounds, war crimes investigators, in Ukraine, Mr. Koval is sharing with us what he and his organization have discovered as far as where the Russians have been in Ukraine and what they've done, not only in Ukraine, but also in Georgia and Chet Chechnya and Syria, where they used chemical weapons. And somehow they just never appear. 
before an international tribunal. Dimitro, do you expect Russian soldiers, um, officials who stand accused of war crimes? And you've, uh, your organization has um, issued reports, three extensive submissions to the international court. Do you expect that they will ever have a day in court? Or is there going to be some sort of agreement that, yeah, we'll have peace talks as long as none of our, none of our people are ever charged with war crimes? What are your concerns there? First of all, uh, no international court will accept this idea that peace talks somehow influence their jurisdiction in uh, with regard to international crimes. Uh, peace talks never, ever really um, uh, created the situation that uh, that uh, prevented international uh, adjudication to uh, judiciary authorities to act and to um, investigate cases. Uh, for instance, we can uh, recollect, um, uh, recall uh, Sierra Leone here, and um, the Lomé agreement never prevented Sierra Leone Special Court to investigate the crimes committed during the uh, war in Sierra Leone. And there might be other examples uh, of similar nature. So um, I don't think, and I, I am actually pr- pretty sure that the peace talks will not um, create the vacuum in uh, accountability efforts. Um, as for uh, whether Russian soldiers will uh, stand uh, in front of the court and uh, actually held accountable, it's a hard question, and it uh, very much depends on whether Russian regime will collapse or not in the um, foreseeable future. If it does, uh, then definitely the chances are very high that International Criminal Court or some other uh, international courts will be able to uh, get uh, Russians into the courtroom. But if not, there will be trials in absentia, of course, not in the ICC, but in some um, other um, mechanisms like national courts or especially installed tribunals. Um, or otherwise, we will see only a couple of tribunals uh, with Russians present. Um, for instance, those Russians who uh, are prisoners of war now or who will be prisoners of war uh, when um, after a while. So, yeah, we'll have these chances to get Russians into the courtroom, but it's very hard to predict right now how exactly it will happen. Okay. I, I, should, I should mention here that uh, just in the last week, the G7 justice ministers issued what's known as the Berlin Declaration, pledging there would be, quote, no impunity for war crimes and other atrocities, end quote. And then I'm quoting again here, criminal prosecution of core international crimes of the highest is of the highest priority to us, end quote. Those words appear in the Berlin Declaration. I hope they mean it. So the truth hounds, you've also visited, is it 70 settlements in eastern Ukraine and the Crimean Peninsula? And if that's correct, have you, have you encountered the same sorts of horrific atrocities that you found in Bucha? No, um, Bucha definitely stands out. Uh, we saw lots of atrocities, but most of them were committed uh, in distance. So there were shellings, uh, also torture, but not in that in the quantity that we uh, saw in Bucha. So yeah, the the um, uh, systematic character of uh, the atrocities after February 24th definitely beats the atrocities that uh, occurred on Ukrainian soil since 2014 to 2022. If our listeners, uh, any of our listeners want to become involved or, or provide you with, uh, with assistance or funding, how do they do that? Is that possible? 
Yes, sure. Uh, on our site, uh, there is a special button uh, uh, that uh, uh, leads to the sites which you can donate uh, some uh, sums uh, to our organization for the cause that we are fighting. So that's truthhounds.org. Dot uh, org, yes, yeah. exactly. We have about a minute left. What what what's next for your organization? Do you uh, do, you, do you, well? Just tell us what's next. Uh, probably we are now uh, most uh, concentrated on starting uh, criminal investigations, not only in Ukraine and uh, in the ICC, but also in foreign countries, in order to tell the story of uh, mass atrocities in Ukraine uh, in um, uh, the communities uh, that maybe less uh, know less about uh, what is happening in Ukraine. So that's our big goal for the next um, year or so. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.